0: Hi, I'm Alan Crater, astronomy educator at Sydney Observatory. This podcast is about what's visible in the skies for the month of September 2008, the year of the 150th anniversary of Sydney Observatory. Of course, one of the most important things you'll need for this sky tour is a map of the night sky. You can get one of those from our website at www.sydneyobservatory.com or, of course, in the 2008 Australian Sky Guide, available in most newsagents. Once you have your map, you need to make your way outside to a relatively dark area. I'd suggest taking a blanket and a pillow, lying down and just looking straight up. You need to give your eyes a few moments to adjust to the conditions, and, of course, the darker the location, the better. Certainly, if you're away from all sorts of lighting and you're in a very dark area, the best piece of equipment you can use is a red torch or dim LED light for reading the star chart. First thing, you need to familiarise yourself with the compass directions, north, east, south and west. The best way to do this is simply lying down with your feet towards the south and looking straight out. If you're in Sydney, remember the Harbour Bridge is aligned directly north-south. At this time of year, one of the first things you should see looking directly overhead is one of the ancient Ptolemaic constellations of Sagittarius the Archer. Sagittarius the Archer is a very famous constellation. It's one of the original 12 of the Zodiacs and it's supposed to be half man, half horse with a bow and arrow aiming at the heart of the scorpion. Uh, Like most people, I find this one quite hard to see, probably because half men, half horses are a bit uncommon riding down Main Street. What I prefer to do is try not to see a half man, half horse but rather a simple stick diagram of a teapot. As you look up, The spout of the teapot will be to your right, with a curved handle to your left. And the lid, if you like, back over your head towards the north. Sagittarius, if you're in a dark location, is really quite spectacular. Not so much because the stars are bright, but because it lies towards the centre of the galaxy. Our galaxy, the Milky Way. The Milky Way flows across the sky and is the brightest, if you like, the densest around the area of Sagittarius. In fact it's believed that the centre of our galaxy, close to Sagittarius, is about 29,000 light years away and has an enormous black hole with a mass about a million times that of the Sun. So when you're looking at the constellation that's a bit of a teapot, you're looking at a signpost for the centre of the galaxy. To find out how far away that is, a light year is about 9.5 trillion kilometres. So the centre of the galaxy, is about 274 quintillion kilometres, or 2.7 followed by 17 zeros. Incidentally, we on Earth orbit the centre of the galaxy from about a third of the way out of that giant cosmic whirlpool, going around and around the galaxy, around every 200 million years. A very long journey. So it's little wonder that with the centre of the galaxy so close to Sagittarius, there are a whole heap of objects to look at. Even with a pair of binoculars, there are things to see. Of course, a small telescope is always useful, but they can be tricky to uh, locate and maybe harder to find some of the great objects. The best way, then, is lying down, pick up a pair of binoculars, and look through the centre of Sagittarius and look for plenty of things to see. The first thing you should be able to see are a few cloudy, wispy-like objects called nebula. That's simply Latin for cloud. These areas are intriguing, mainly because they're where stars are made and where stars die. The ones in Sagittarius that we can look for include the Lagoon Nebula, the Swan Nebula, which is also called M17, and the Trifid Nebula. The numbers M17, M24, M37, by the way, all refer to Messier objects. Back in the 18th century, an astronomer called Charles Messier was looking for comets, but he kept getting distracted by all of these fuzzy points of light. To stop himself thinking every time he saw one that he discovered a new comet, he made a list of them, or a catalogue, and he called them messier objects. Through a telescope or binoculars, they are some of the most beautiful objects in the sky. These nebulae through binoculars will be faint smudge-like images, but to see them in all their beauty, I suggest that you visit a website such as Google and do a search for APOD, A-P-O-D, Astronomy Picture of the Day. And you'll see these objects, the Lagoon, the trifid, and the Swan, in all their stunning beauty. The finest of the three, in my opinion, is probably the trifid or M20. It's a large cloud of gas and dust, about 50 light years in diameter. Enormous. Once again, to see it in all its detail and all its colour, you need to look at a web image. But with a good pair of binoculars, you should be able to pick up the faint, hazy smudge of this star-making cloud. Now you're still facing pretty much south, looking at Sagittarius. Look slightly to your right and you'll see the brightest object in the night sky at the moment. Apart from, of course, the moon. That will be the planet Jupiter. Jupiter is a very spectacular object to look at. Of course, to see its real beauty you need a telescope. But you don't need a telescope to see something that actually changed the way we look at the universe. To look at the bright object of Jupiter which is snuggled up against the constellation in the middle of Sagittarius, you'll see a small white dot. Looking carefully with the binoculars, you'll be able to see up to four moons, smaller bright dots going around them. 400 years ago, a famous astronomer, Galileo Galilei, looked at these moons with a telescope, and he watched their positions change or dance over a period of about a week. One night he'd have three on one side and one on the other, then two and two. And some nights, none on one side and four on the other. Other nights, they might be missing as they were directly in front of or behind the planet. So just after that week of observations almost exactly 400 years ago, Galileo was convinced that this was proof that Nicholas Copernicus was right and the Earth was not the centre of the universe. It's not the centre of everything, And this knowledge led pretty much to the scientific foundation of astronomy and to rational thought in Europe. He and you and everyone else can easily see these moons are clearly orbiting Jupiter. And this was a revolution in how we see the universe. So you can easily see with just a pair of binoculars how the universe changed simply by observing these same moons from night to night. And now is a great time to do it with Jupiter so nicely placed overhead, although slightly to the east. If you, however, look on the 9th of September, you can see the gibbous moon. Gibbous, by the way, means almost full, like a big football. Just above and to the north of Jupiter. And while we're talking about lined-up planets, on the 12th of September, around 7pm, if you look to the due west, you'll see the reddish planet Mars... Just above it and brighter the bright planet Venus and to the left and above both of them the faint planet Mercury nice and close together in the western sky. Also in the neighbourhood of all these stars is one of the few constellations that really does look like its namescape and that is Scorpius the Scorpion. I think most people looking at a star map with a little imagination can see a stick figure of a scorpion four stars across the top, meaning the pincers, the bright red star coming in making a letter T with them, the bright star called Antares, and then a long curved tail heading towards the bottom with a little bright star coming off the bottom, Shula, the Sting. After we've had a look at the constellation of Scorpius, now come back towards your left and look for a group of stars that if you join the dots make the capital letter C. This little constellation is called Corona Australis, the southern crown. There is another similarly shaped constellation in the northern hemisphere called Corona Borealis, the northern crown. Now, Corona Australis is a faint constellation. There's no bright objects to be looking with a telescope. But it's a pretty curved group of stars that represents the crown of the god of wine, Dionysus. Dionysus is usually referred to as the opposite of Apollo, who at this point in time is driving the sun chariot on the other side of the Earth. And Dionysus is not just the opposite in stars, but the opposite in behaviour. Further down towards the southwest will be the constellation of the Southern Cross. Over the next few months, the Southern Cross will be harder and harder to see, but it's always an interesting exercise to keep track of it throughout the year. The Southern Cross does a huge loop, like the hands of a clock, but it's always visible from Sydney. Around this time of year, we see the Southern Cross on its side, curving down towards the southwest. Now, while you're holding your star map, turn around 180 degrees and face towards the north. As you look towards the north, go slightly to your left, and you'll see one of the bright stars with two equidistant, slightly dimmer stars on either side. The bright star is Altair, the eye of the eagle. And the constellation is Aquila, the eagle. Now, lower down towards the northern horizon, you'll see the fifth brightest star in the night sky, Vega. Now, we don't often see Vega for much of the year, so it's very interesting on the few opportunities we get a chance. This star, which is very close, only about 24 light years away, will, in fact, become the North Star in about 12,000 years. Replacing the current North Star Polaris. Polaris is, of course, too far north to be visible from Australia, but it's a very important star in the Northern Hemisphere. Coming up on our east, to your right, is the zodiac constellation of Pisces. Now, there are some special events to take note of throughout the month of September. This is a really good opportunity to get people, and especially children, to watch a planet, because the planets are quite bright up in the sky. Likewise, the Moon is quite good. The best time to view the Moon is around the time of the very first quarter of the Moon. Strangely, when we say first quarter, you actually see half of the Moon. In other words, half the face that's facing to us. When the Moon is around first quarter phase, you can see a few small craters and even a mountain range just with a pair of binoculars or a small telescope. The Moon is high up in the constellation of Sagittarius, around about the 8th of September, which is when it's in its first quarter. Later in the month is the spring equinox that will occur on the 23rd of September at about 1.44am. What this means is the sun will make its way back from the northern hemisphere into the southern hemisphere. The word equinox comes from the word equal night, That tells us no matter where you are on the earth, the amounts of day and night are roughly going to be the same. And the sun will rise almost due east everywhere and set due west everywhere. This is only one of two nights, the other which is the vernal equinox in six months' time in March, when the sun does this. Most people and cultures use this occurrence to herald the beginning of spring. Thanks very much for listening to this podcast about... September 2008 and the skies above Sydney Observatory. If you'd like more detail, you can visit our website at www.sydneyobservatory.com or you can also obtain your Australian Sky Guide by looking online or visiting the Powerhouse or Sydney Observatory shops. Don't forget, quite shortly, the 2009 Australian Sky Guide will be on sale and it comes out ready with observations and star maps and details for December onwards and with lots of useful information and special events about the International Year of Astronomy next year in 2009. I'm an Alan Crater, and keep watching the skies.